Welcome to the Healing Hub Podcast, a podcast dedicated to those living with CRPS and designed to provide hope and empower you to reach your goals and your dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Patterson. Join me weekly where we will be discussing CRPS, sharing personal stories, and even talking with guests. Hello and welcome to the Healing Hub Podcast. This is Dr. Tracy Patterson and I'm your host and I'm glad that you're able to join me today. Today we're going to be talking about CRPS, the impact of what we endure as a patient and what is remission. If you live with CRPS or any rare disease, you've probably had at least one conversation with the healthcare provider in which they told you, there's nothing that I can do for you. Or you've gone through a program or a treatment that portrays themselves as the only hope, the only way forward. Their marketing is truly magnificent, even down to dramatic videos on social media portraying that all of their patients are getting better. To arrive, to start the program, to feel like your concerns are falling on deaf ears or worse yet, you're being told it's your fault that you're not getting better. And then there's the biggest question that I'm always asked, what is remission? And these are the areas that I wanna discuss or delve into today, so let's go ahead and jump on in. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't expect healthcare providers to have all the answers, and I know CRPS is a rare disease and it doesn't have a cure, but the statements and comments made to CRPS patients by their physicians, the experts, leave us in a state of shock. And the way CRPS patients are treated, we're made to feel, well, bottom line, like it's our fault or it's in our head. And it really sucks and it's wrong in every aspect. Now, every individual diagnosed with CRPS is chasing remission better yet, a cure. But unfortunately, a cure does not exist right now, not in the United States, not in Italy, not anywhere in the world. But hopefully, research can get us closer to finding a cure in the future. And in the meantime, the next closest thing to a cure is remission. Although it sounds elusive, it's real. And we'll be talking about remission too. Now, I had so many things said to me through my personal journey with CRPS. I was told by one physician, life as you know it will end. Someone else said, you know, it's a rare disease without a cure, right? And yes, I was even told following the removal of my second spinal cord stimulator, I'm sorry, there's nothing more that we can do for you. Now, I know that so many CRPS patients have either heard the same thing or very similar things. And what do these comments mean? And how do people think that we're going to react? I know that many physicians and clinicians just don't know what to say or how to say it, especially when they're used to having the answers. They are used to being the experts, but with CRPS, they're not. Regardless, They need to understand that words have meaning. 
once something is said, it can't be retracted and it can't be taken back. And unfortunately, that can leave the patient feeling overwhelmed in a state of shock or despair and worse yet, feeling hopeless. One day, I hope that pain management doctors, neurologists, rheumatologists, and other healthcare practitioners will learn how big of an impact their words and responses have on their patients. So how do words that we use affect people in general, but especially those with CRPS or any medical diagnosis? If our physicians would simply think before speaking, or better yet, think, what would they want someone to say to them? What would they want someone to say to their friend or their family member if they were diagnosed with CRPS? What would they think or what frame of mind would they be in if a doctor told them it's all in your head, you're faking it, or you're too young to have chronic pain? The words that we choose or the words that are said to us can reverberate in a variety of unintended ways, unfortunately. Our brain responds to words in a way that affects our experience in the outside world. So taking care to use words that don't cause harm to others can help protect them from unwanted or what I'm gonna call unintended stress, anxiety, and or trauma. Now we've all heard the saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But is that true? There's a lot of research into the power of words and the answer to that saying or that riddle is no, because words do have an impact on each and every person. A person or a physician's choice of language can affect not only another person, how they feel, but how they perceive events that are going on around them. Words can even influence the experience of physical pain. So what people know about certain words, including their commonly used or also how people think about words, will make a difference in how they react. So positive verbal affirmations or good words can lift people up. Encouragement can also improve physical performance. But words can also cause harm, just like a childhood bully, verbal abuse in a domestic relationship, because every word chosen has an impact. Even words chosen by medical professionals can lead to emotional challenges when we feel like we're not being heard. So when you're faced with hurtful words or things that your physician says that really aren't appropriate, you can take the steps to keep yourself safe. You can involve setting positive boundaries or even filtering out what you hear. But it's also important to know that it's okay to stand up for yourself. You always have a right to change a doctor. You have a right to be treated with respect. And if you are in a particular program that treats CRPS or chronic pain, and you feel like you are not being heard and everything's being put back on you, you have a right to leave that program. Now, I'm not that flowery person that's going to say something just to make someone feel better, especially if it's not true. I believe in being honest. I believe that no patient should be set up for failure. 
I won't lie to protect a patient from reality. In other words, I won't set an unattainable expectation. But there really is a right way and a wrong way of communicating that needs to be said for every healthcare professional. To help patients to move forward, to support them, to listen to them, to believe them, to make the patient feel heard and understood, to empower the patient. And this leads us to the next question. How do words affect the brain? The brain imaging and different studies support the theory that words affect how people experience pain. Using behavioral and functional MRI data on 17 people who participated in a study in 2019, they found that pain-related words and negative words made the intensity of pain worse. <laughs> kind of hard to believe, huh? So in the study, pain-related words created a stronger response in different areas of the brain, including the anterior cingulate cortex and the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. And I know for most CRPS patients listening, that doesn't mean a thing. But there's also evidence to show that words affect perceptions of circumstances. And remember, your perception can become your reality. And then there's a 2016 study that found that the context of words matters. So people naturally import perceptions of certain words into situations that are neutral. Research referred to the precise meaning of a word and where it came from and where it occurred in language. So for example, an unclear medical outcome was perceived as negative when they used the word caused rather than the word produced. So researchers concluded that caused is connected with something negative, while produced was neutral. So words can be powerful. In fact, they can affect how well someone heals from an injury. Keep in mind that words have a direct impact on the brain and how it responds. And the brain is the supercomputer of the entire body. It runs and regulates the entire body, yes, every aspect, including the nervous system. It's all tied together. And speaking of the nervous system, we always see different perceptions of CRPS and different things on the internet as CRPS pertains to the nervous system. And I'm going to disagree with some clinicians and even healthcare professionals the state CRPS attacks weak spots in the nervous system. It's not a weak spot in the nervous system and CRPS is not attacking the nervous system. Ultimately, it's the brain that's involved. The body is hardwired. The nervous system is a free flow of signals like a super highway of information that's constantly sending and receiving signals, constantly working. So you cannot have a weak spot in the nervous system. You can, however, on the other hand, have a weak nervous system. And yes, there is a difference. So let's jump into class just for a little bit longer for a couple minutes to learn about the nervous system and what it does. And this will help connect the dots so that CRPS is gonna make a little more sense. The nervous system. The nervous system consists of the brain, the spinal cord, and all the nerves that connect them. Almost everything you do think, say, or feel is guided by that nervous system. And it all starts with the brain. 
The nervous system is composed of specialized cells that allow you to function, to move, to think, and experience the world around you. It's that simple. Stimming from the brain, the nervous system plays a major role in almost every aspect of your health, wellness, and overall functioning. The nervous system is in charge of complex functions such as movement, cognition, even memory. So it's important for activities like breathing, blushing, blinking, how our food digests, and what our body does without having to think about it. That is your autonomic nervous system, things that automatically happen. So every part of your health, including your thoughts, memory, learning, feelings, are influenced by the brain, your past experiences, and it's all connected through the nervous system. So think about balance and coordination. There are examples of movement. The brain's perception of what you see, hear, taste, touch, and feel. That's right there. Sleeping, healing, aging, breathing patterns, our heart beating, reacting to tense conditions. The state of our digestive health. If we're hungry, are we thirsty? Is our stomach processing properly? That's all connected. The central nervous system is made up of the brain and the spinal cord, and the brain sends messages to the entire body through that superhighway that we just talked about. And the brain, again, is the best supercomputer on the entire planet. And then you have the peripheral nervous system, and these are nerves that branch out from the central nervous system all around the body that form that peripheral nervous system. The brain and the spinal cord send messages to the organs, to your extremities, your arms, your hands, your legs, your feet, through the entire body. And your voluntary motions are guided by what they call a somatic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is in charge of the activities that we do without even having to think about it. So what is a weak nervous system? What does that mean? If the nervous system is weak, you're more likely to have different illnesses or chronic conditions like CRPS. It can even lead to coexisting conditions or diagnosis. Like what we refer to as functional disorders that can include headaches, dizziness, GI issues, neuralgia. These are all examples of what patients are dealing with in that particular case. So the bottom line, the nervous system takes the information through our senses and it sends the information in that super highway. The brain processes that information and based upon our past events, decides what you will feel, hear, etc. So the information and triggers can then cause a reaction, such as making our muscles move, causing us to feel pain, etc. So if we touch a hot plate, something that's hot, we reflexively pull back our hand and the nervous simultaneously send that signal to the brain. The brain perceives it and then it uses that past perception to send back the message to the rest of the body. In the same respect, the brain learns with repetition. So think about every single thing that you've learned in life, you've learned through repetition. So stepping away from CRPS for just a moment, think about learning to ride a bike. The first time we need the bike, we need our training wheels. We need someone running by our side. Then eventually we figure out how to balance enough and we're riding with our training wheels and they stop running by our side. 
Then we get to the point that we're riding our bike without our training wheels. We're balancing, we're pedaling, we're steering, and we're not having to overthink it because our brain has learned how to ride the bike through repetition. And it stored the information so we always remember that. So we can go a month, a year, or even 10 years without riding our bike. And the next time we go to ride our bike, our brain remembers exactly how to do that. So in the same way that the brain can learn how to ride a bike through repetition, unfortunately, it also can learn CRPS. So what starts as the perfect storm in the brain can lead to a file being created. And again, the brain learns through repetition. So when we have pain on a daily basis, the brain learns that. When we're stressed on a daily basis, the brain learns that. When we're anxious on a daily basis, the brain learns that. When we're not sleeping, therefore, it creates this cycle or this loop. Because the pain then causes stress and anxiety, and stress and anxiety then cause a higher sympathetic overload, fight and flight. So it creates this avalanche or this loop that's going on. Thus, the perfect storm in the brain is likened to be on your computer, going out, searching, researching, visiting different websites, and all of a sudden you've got malware on your computer. So think of CRPS as a metaphor as malware in the brain. It's a different analogy, I know, but it can be effective. So to effectively treat CRPS, you have to address the nervous system. And yes, this includes the brain and the autonomic nervous system. To manage CRPS or gain remission, you have to balance the autonomic system, the ANS. You have to get the body out of fight and flight, and that's that sympathetic overload that's driving. That is the driver, the mechanism for CRPS. And that alone will help you drop your pain levels. Then you work on breaking the pain loop, increasing restorative sleep, and that is how your body can heal. So just treating the symptoms is not the answer. You can get temporary relief by treating the symptoms, but when CRPS is not worked with at the right level, not working with that sympathetic overload or fight and flight, CRPS is not a bounce back. So to have long-term outcomes, you have to connect those dots. You have to understand the biology and the physiology of the human body. You have to understand the role that the brain plays in CRPS, and this is key to success. So despite discouraging conversations with physicians, I hope that all CRPS patients will continue to look for answers and hold out the hope that they can find a treatment that's effective for them. And I always say that we are as individualized as our fingerprint. So what works for one may not work for another, and it's about finding a treatment that's right for you as an individual to help manage your CRPS or hopefully to gain remission. And one day down the road, maybe we'll have enough information to find a cure. We can hope, right? So we all need a glimmer of hope, and I sincerely hope that with this podcast and others, that we're able to help shine that light out there and connect the dots and answer those questions. Yes, I am passionate about CRPS. Anyone who's ever lived with CRPS, a family member, friend, caretakers, they are just as passionate. But I bring a completely different perspective to this rare disease, a perspective from a person who was diagnosed with type 2 CRPS following a foot and ankle surgery, someone that went through seven years of treatments, 
many of which cause my CRPS to spread, and also someone who has gained long-term remission, yes, pain-free. More importantly, someone that's now treating other CRPS patients. So sometimes I just want to yell from a mountaintop to the world that there's hope following a diagnosis of CRPS. I want every CRPS patient to know. I want their families to know that there's hope. Yes, CRPS is daunting. Don't get me wrong. Yes, there's a huge lack of information. Yes, most CRPS patients that only focus on traditional allopathic medicine are not getting better. But when you focus on the human body, the biology and the physiology of the body, the biology of pain we can effectively treat CRPS. And patients can manage CRPS at a low pain level that will allow them to live, and patients can also gain remission. So through the years of working with CRPS patients, I know everyone is chasing that elusive remission. Yet everyone has a different perspective on what is remission. Is it really elusive? Is it like a mythical Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster? Or is it real? I'm here to say it's real. In my humble opinion, there's a difference between managing CRPS and getting into remission. And I know others are going to disagree with me wholeheartedly based upon what they've read, what they've been told, or perhaps what they're experiencing. Just keep in mind that not everything that we read on Google is right. So managing CRPS means having the tools and the resources to stay at a low pain level. This provides you with the ability to live your life and to manage the pain. The ability to go to school or go to work, to go to the store or do activities of daily living or hang out with our friends and our family. Now, there may be days that you have little to no pain. There may be other days that you're managing your pain at a low level and you're like, thank you. But then there can also be other days you're dealing with a flare. This is managing CRPS. And there's nothing wrong with managing CRPS, especially if it gives us that ability to actually live our life. Now, what about remission? Remission, in my opinion, is a zero pain level with zero flares. And yes, it's real and it's possible. I'm living proof of it. November of 2022 was my nine-year anniversary of long-term remission. That means zero pain level for nine years, zero flares, and living my life. Now, to stay in remission, you have to put in the work. You have to be willing to do something every single day to keep your body from being stuck up in fight and flight and staying there. You have to be able to recalibrate the brain and give it what it needs to stay in homeostasis, to balance the nervous system. Remission is real. But remission takes time, it takes work, and you have to be willing to set aside everything that we've been told. And you have to believe that it's possible. You also have to know the things that are going to push that envelope and push your body back into fight and flight. The what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I sprain my ankle? What if? This includes anticipating something that's going to happen that's going to be bad. It also includes overthinking that can lead to that anticipation. Fear, worry, stress, anxiety, these are all things that push us into fight and flight. 
And I'm not saying we have to live in a bubble, but I'm saying when we can manage our what ifs, our fear, our worry, our stress, and our anxiety, we can then manage that sympathetic overload. When you look at all of these paths, it's important to pause, to regroup, and to put in the tools and the resources that are going to help you move forward. It's also important to know that healing is not always linear. There are going to be ups and downs and twists and turns, but it's about finding a program where you felt heard, you feel cared for, a program that truly understands what you're going through, and a program that's willing to individualize to meet your specific needs. That's key to moving forward. I see CRPS patients that have gained remission. I've also seen CRPS patients that manage their CRPS. So when they gain remission, not only is their pain gone, but their coloration changes will eventually go away. It's not instantaneous though. Temperature in the body will regulate and other coexisting conditions or diagnosis will get better. So at Holistic Center Treatment, we provide that caring, compassionate environment that promotes healing. We truly do understand CRPS because I'm the founder of this program and even the president of Holistic Center Treatment. And I can honestly say that I've walked a mile in the shoes of just about every CRPS patient and what they're going through. I will always listen to my patients and we tell our patients that you are our guide and our job is to listen to you. So regardless of what anyone tells you, I want you to know it is possible to manage CRPS. It is possible to gain long-term remission. It is possible to thrive again. And we want you to know that healing is possible for you too. And we're here to help you because we truly do understand what you're going through. So if you want more information on different treatment options for CRPS, AMPS, fibromyalgia, other chronic pain conditions, I'm going to encourage you to visit our website. That's www.holisticcenteredtreatment.com or call us 844-9940999 or you can email us at info at holisticcenteredtreatment.com. I encourage you to browse to our website, learn more about our facility, our program, our philosophy, whether you're living with CRPS, whether it's a family member, a colleague, or a friend, we're here to help answer questions and hopefully to provide the hope that's going to help you to heal. I want you to know, first and foremost, you are not alone. You've got this and you can move forward. I hope that the Healing Hub podcast has brought you some positive resources and positive information, and we've helped connect some of the dots today and maybe even brought you a ray of sunshine and hope. Together, remember, we can make a difference.